Welcome to Big Tobacco Messed with the Wrong Moms, a podcast of Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes, PAVE. I'm Meredith Berkman. I'm Dorian Furman, and we're the Wrong Moms. We are so honored and excited to have with us today Congress member Lisa Blunt Rochester of Delaware. She's a mom of two. She is a powerful advocate in Congress in the fight to beat back big tobacco. We are so grateful to have you here today. So I guess the first question that we'd like to ask is why and how you first got interested in this issue? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, thank you to both of you. And I love the title of, of this, The Wrong Moms. You mess with the wrong moms uh, because we know the power of moms. I, I have two grown children and a daughter-in-law. And um, I, I just I want to applaud you for your work and say that it's more important now more than ever. Um, how I personally got involved is um, both uh, personal and professional. Um, as a child, uh, you know, a kid growing up in the 60s, I, um, so many of my family members, my grandparents, my aunts and uncles, they were smokers. And I saw firsthand, number one, just the, um, the real targeting you know, of women and people of color. I remember Virginia Slim. I still remember all of the ads, like, you know, to be cool, you know, that they had jazz festivals, that they branded things. And, and I just remember the impact on their health and on their lives uh, that, that smoking had. Then as a professional, uh, years later, I would become the Deputy Secretary of Health and Social Services for the state of Delaware. And later years after that, um, head of state personnel, um, as well as then a CEO of the Urban League. And so, so I got to see the impact of programming and trying to make sure that the funds were there to uh, help people to stop smoking. And I think more recently, um, just watching the glamorizing of vaping um, really just sort of got my passion up again to tackle this issue. And I, I, I'll never forget, you know, I don't even, it's like not a real memory, but I remember the 60 minutes story, you know, that showed what was what was really happening to all of us. And um, I think that, you know, stayed, stayed with me. And so I'm glad to be in Congress right now to be able to do something about it. You mentioned the ads that stayed in your mind that, you know, especially when you're young and the glamorizing I mean, maybe you could just comment. One of the things, you know, we came to the table to fight the youth vaping epidemic because it was personal to us because a Juul representative in 2018 came into our kids' school without the school's knowledge and told a, an assembly of ninth graders that Juul was, quote, totally safe. And we and our boys testified about this in Congress. So that was our sort of electrifying moment. But really, we've come to understand the broader picture about the predatory targeting and specifically also about menthol cigarettes. Um, and I guess my question is, are things really so different? Because of course, menthol cigarettes are still on the market. They're the only flavored cigarette on the market. Those ads and those concerts are still out there. How is that possible? And how can we fight to change that? Well, I know you guys have been following the uh, bill that was introduced in the last uh, session of Congress that passed the House, the Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act, um, which really, again, was requiring, you know, cigarette packages to include graphic health warnings, which is one of the things that we, you know, 
struggled with back back then. Um, but to tax e-cigarettes and um, and also to you know really raise the minimum age for purchasing um, tobacco products to age 21, but to block specifically block the manufacture and sale of all flavored tobacco products. And we know that, um, you know, I, I saw research that said about 80% of young people uh, who've ever used tobacco started with a flavored product. Uh, and that's what, what has been the real target. And so this legislation passed in the House, um, but we need to make sure that it passes in the Senate and becomes law. You know, again, this this really is, is you know, it's, it's a targeting. And we know that even during a pandemic, it's even more important that people are healthy and don't have this attacking their lungs and other bodily functions. So um, now's the time to be, you know, really strong. You mentioned that almost 80% of kids who start using e-cigarettes start with the flavor. And I think it's so important to make the correlation between the flavored e-cigarettes and the menthol cigarettes, because the new numbers now show that almost 40% of kids who vape use menthol. And we believe that number is actually higher because the iced flavors, which are mentholated fruit flavors, mm -hmm. are not counted in that number. So it's quite logical to think because kids who vape are three to seven times more likely to begin smoking cigarettes, if those kids who are vaping are currently vaping menthol, then the logical choice for them would be menthol cigarettes. So on so many different levels, it is so important that we ban flavored e-cigarettes and menthol cigarettes because there is an absolute correlation between starting to use tobacco products and flavors. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that also touches this issue for me is, you know, not just my personal professional experience, but also that of my constituents here in Delaware. Um, we had a, a meeting with one of our constituents, Paula, who really shared just a gripping story about her own son, losing her own 19-year-old son who, you know, suffered from asthma, um, actually told his mom, you know, these products are safe, these products are harmless. He ended up stopping, but then went to college and, you know, started back up. And this past September, um, passed away. And I think it's stories like that, you know, that really resonate with me that my constituents are feeling the effects of this every day. Yes. I'm, I'm glad you brought up, though, it's so tragic. In fact, we brought, Paula is a PAVE a volunteer advocate. And in fact, we from um, from from your district, and we were so grateful uh, that you were so open to that story, and that your staff and you have treated her with real compassion. Her story is unfortunately not the only one that we have heard like that. And and shortly after she reached out to us, in fact, because she had heard our podcast where another mom shared her story, there was a new research study that came out of the University of Hawaii that linked asthma and e-cigarettes. But it's the um, it is, it is an unbelievably tragic story, but there are so many stories that show the upending of families' lives in Delaware and across the country. So I'm, I'm glad that, that you raised it because it, it, it is very real for your constituents and for everyone in this country who cares about children and cares about public health. I wanted to ask you, last Congress, you introduced the Quit Because of COVID-19 Act, and that would expand tobacco cessation coverage to all Medicaid beneficiaries during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
and we supported your legislation along with many of our public health partners. Um, Congress, unfortunately, did not act upon it before adjourning last year, and it's so important. Um, are you planning on reintroducing the bill this Congress? Most definitely. Um, you know, as you know, it is already challenging enough for people to, to quit smoking. I mean, the CDC estimated in recent years almost half 50% of daily smokers in my state alone attempted to quit, you know, smoking over one or more times, you know, over one or more days. And the, the whole point is that right now we've got a pandemic and it exacerbates the situation. And in addition to people being stressed about their own lives, which causes, you know, individuals to want to smoke, we need to be able to give people the tools and the resources and support them as they try to quit. And so the, the purpose of that bill was to really say that we need to expand opportunities for people to be able to quit smoking. And that, and that was the goal. And we intend to introduce that this Congress. As you know, we just kicked off uh, last month now. And, um, and, and, and that is our intention as well. It's all tobacco products, right? That's right. That's right. It's, it's, it's incredibly important, as we said, you know, it's already, the stress levels are already so high, which causes addiction to um, substances and smoking products. And it's our job at the federal level to reduce the burden on state and local partners when it comes to education and outreach on these harmful products, but also to make sure that, again, people have the tools that they need to be able to quit. Does that bill include minors? Because one of the struggles we've had is that there there are no there is no uh, FDA approved cessation uh, treatment for minors um, and and just one of the things we're worried about for the future because we you know this is what we this is what these wrong the wrong moms do is is look and see what are what is the tobacco industry doing next and we see that that they're putting out products that mimic NRTs things like flavored gums and flavored lozenges so that the average person might think those are to help them quit but they're actually going for, um, they're applying for uh, regular tobacco product, um, you know, PMTAs through the FDA. So we're a little concerned about quitting for kids. Is that part of your bill? Yes, it also includes the CHIP program. So yes, we are including children's health as well. Um, and do you think, I guess the other thing is in terms of, um, uh, of, of COVID and the sort of the comorbidity, you know, there are so many young people out there that we know have compromised their lungs with these cigarettes. And as we discussed earlier, we know what the numbers are uh, of people, particularly with menthol cigarettes. Um, and I just, you know, I wonder that for so many people who were not um, in the public health field, the COVID seems to have had this quote, great reveal of something that mm -hmm. is so clear to people um, for so long that there is, you know, public health inequity that has to do with race, particularly for COVID. And I wonder if you think that, um, I certainly, menthol cigarettes, I wouldn't suggest that is the, the greatest comorbidity for the differential in COVID, but do you think it has something to do with it? I definitely think it has an impact. As I, as I shared, you know, I can think back on family members who, because of smoking, it impacted their health and their, their even, even how they passed away. I mean, we've seen, you know, the, the data and, you know, you brought up a really good point that many of us were already aware of the health inequities and disparities. Um, one of the areas that I'm really focused on is the social determinants of health, which, you know, for those who've never heard that 
the, that, that terminology, it really is about those things that impact our health. Whether it is, if I live next to a toxic dump, am I gonna have compromised lungs? Or am I gonna have cancer? If I um, live in a food desert, do I have transportation opportunities? And so those things relate to the social determinants of health. And so does smoking. It is one of those things that has an impact on our health and our, 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 our well-being. And, and also it has a, an impact on cost of care for everybody. And so it's, it, it, there's a connection for all of us to see that when, when my brother and sister are doing well and are healthy, then that helps the whole. And as it pertains to COVID, we just shined a light on things, as you said, that we've already known existed. Um, but this gives us an, also an opportunity to do things differently and, and to focus on the data, focus on creative ways of reimbursing, like expanding Medicaid and expanding CHIP to pay for those things that can help us be healthier. Well, that's so important. We hear from parents all across the country in your state and many others because of uh, the youth vaping epidemic, they are forced to pay out of pocket if they're lucky enough to be able to afford it for either inpatient rehab for kids who are so addicted to vaping. Nicotine is a gateway drug. They've turned to other other substances um, or for extensive outpatient care to deal with their addiction. Um, and insurance, first of all, if you have insurance, insurance may not cover it if your child's a minor. And you brought up, of course, the health cost. We're concerned about the early adopters of vaping who went off to college before people really understood how dangerous this was and colleges weren't aware of it. And those are potentially a group of young people, possibly now over 21, who, mm -hmm. who unfortunately are likely to have very expensive to themselves and to the system health costs and and health consequences for years right right so right i mean it, it the the reality is that again it's it's the cost of healthcare but it's also the cost of losing um those individuals like paula's son way way too early would i want to make sure that i share and end with is that your work, what you're doing, um, you know, paved is so, so vitally important right now. Um, the tobacco free kids, you know, the, 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 those initiatives, that is what makes the difference. That's what, what is pushing us in Congress to really represent you because you're experiencing it on the ground day to day, you're proximate to it. And so number one, I just wanna say thank you so much for what you've done and what you do um, and for what you're gonna do. Cause I know this is only the beginning cause they're messing with the wrong moms. <laughs> well, thank so, you. so keep, you know, stay connected to your members of Congress wherever you are across the country. It's very important that they hear your voice. Also support organizations that believe what you believe like PAVE. You got to support them. It doesn't just happen. It takes volunteers. It takes time. And so, um, so I want to uh, just encourage you and let you know that we have not forgotten. It's not over yet. And uh, the work is still to be done. And I'm just glad to be a partner with you in the effort. Well, we are so Thank honored. You. I mean, that is so inspiring coming from you 
coming from you, someone who cares, someone who gets it done and will get it done. And as you said, and uh, with your partnership and uh, like-minded colleagues, as you said, we are just getting started to protect our kids. So thank you so much for your time and your commitment, your wisdom, your passion. The wrong moms are very grateful to have the right mom and the right Congress member on today. Thank you. And moms get it done. So thank you. Do you have a teen or young adult at home that vapes? This is Quitting is a free and anonymous text message program designed to help young people quit vaping. Teens and young adults can text Ditch Vape to 88709 to sign up today. That's provided by Truth, the National Youth Tobacco Prevention Campaign from our partner and sponsor, uh, The Truth Initiative. It's the first of its kind program that helps young people feel motivated, inspired, and supported while quitting. More than 150,000 young people have enrolled since the program launched in January 2019. The messages include evidence-based tips and strategies to quit combined with real feedback from young people. Again, teens and young adults can enroll by texting Ditch Vape to 88709. Truth Initiative also offers free text messages for parents who are helping their children quit vaping. I myself enrolled in this program as well and would get different ideas and tips to help support my son. You can join the program by texting QUIT to 202-899-7550 or by visiting becomeanx.org to sign up. To learn more about Truth Initiative and its programs, visit truthinitiative.org.